Hey, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Supply Chain Next. Uh, this is Richard Donaldson, and I am excited to be here with Radu Palamariu uh, here. Hey, Radu. Hey, good to, good to be here with you t- today. I, I hope I didn't kill the, na- the last name there. I know I was practicing it beforehand, but hopefully I got that uh, <laughs> okay. okay. No, you, you did much, much better than you know, 99% of the population. So great for you. All right, we got it recorded. All right, check the box. Uh, interview's over. All right, perfect. Um, no, no, thank you. Thank you for coming in today. And, and, and I know you're, uh, and, and like all things, I love to point out, here I am in San Francisco and, and you are in Singapore and we're able to jump on and do a podcast and, and, and that alone is pretty cool. Um, been a big fan of the stuff that you've been doing um, as a leader, uh, certainly in the executive search within supply chain and we'll get into that in a little bit. Focusing on the talent and kind of things that you've seen, you just held a, a, a pretty successful, not pretty successful, very successful conference uh, that I saw a lot on LinkedIn. We'd love to talk a little bit about that. Um, but we'd love to just start a little bit by telling people just kind of, you know, a little bit about yourself, where you've come from. You've got a really interesting background, especially coming from Romania and ending up in Singapore. So I would love to hear the tale. Yeah, sure. Um, well, to be, uh, to be fair, it's quite, um, it's quite an interesting story, if I may say so myself, because in 2008, when I decided to, um, uh, you know, I was in Romania, and for those who don't know, Romania is some, uh, you know, is usually known for three things. It's a, it's a country in Eastern Europe, and it's usually best known for three things. So in, in North America, a lot of people would know Nadia Comaneci, which, uh, which was an amazing gymnast from Romania. Then we have a second a very good sports uh, man called Jika Haji, which used to be an incredible uh, football player. And that's another, another way a lot of people know about Romania. And then the third most uh, famous and probably the most famous character of Romania is um, a guy that uh, Hollywood made famous called uh, Dracula. Now, Dracula is by far the most prominent Romanian out there. It's also the scariest one. So anyways, uh, that, that's, that's about where I came from. And in 2008, um, I decided that I wanted to live abroad and, and work abroad. And um, for some reason, I wanted, to, I wanted to go to Asia. So I got an offer from Singapore from a management consulting firm. Um, and I'll say the truth that at that point in 2008, uh, I didn't know where Singapore was. I, uh, you know, I, I probably thought that it's, it's, it's uh, part of China uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll pardon myself for my lack of knowledge. But that's what I thought, and and then I looked it up on the map, and I realized, well, it's it's an amazing place. I found the more I, I read about it, the more I got excited, and uh, well, fast forward twelve years uh, later, I'm still here, I'm still loving it very much. So, and uh, well, the the career has been, or the the things that I've done in the in the meantime have been quite broad from management consulting, what brought me here, and leadership development. Then I ended up doing. Uh, a little bit on the technology and, and human resources side. And the last eight years, nine years, I've been doing executive search for supply chain end-to-end across, um, you know, across manufacturing companies, uh, as well as transportation, logistics, um, technology companies within supply chain. Well, that's a great. Oh, I thought for a second there when you're going through the top three, and of course, uh, Vlad the Impaler comes comes right top to mind. But I thought you're going to come into a Nikolai. Was it Ceausescu? Uh, was that the guy who held everybody hostage? <laughs> His castle yeah, or yeah, whatever. He, he was. Uh, yeah, he was the dictator, but you yeah, know, he, he's not that. Uh, yeah, I, 
I, I don't want to put him on the top <laughs> list. Yeah, it's for obvious reasons. But yeah, he is. Yeah. He's more infamous. I mean, I was. He, that's that's going back in my time frame. I was living in Europe. Uh, oh God, late late early nineties. Uh, so it was around the. I think it's early nineties, mid nineties when he when he got toppled and everything. And that was a pretty crazy story uh, <laughs> that I went through. Um, so so uh, well, first of all, I mean that amazing to kind of travel across the world to land in Singapore to really kind of begin your career. And then how did, how did you went from management consulting and then you started kind of progressively dipping your toe into the area of supply chain and recruiting as you started developing stuff uh, pre Alcott Global um, in your former firm. How did that, how did that begin to happen? How did you kind of make that move? I like to I like to think that I'm a little bit uh, um, ADHD, uh, so I have a bit of an attention deficit disorder, and uh, I don't I wouldn't call it disorder, but I I actually I love it, um, and it's I like to it's a strength to me it's a strength, and I like to do different things. So basically, I it, if I am to look back, I can always claim that it was a very planned uh, decision, and I was always on top of my career when in actual fact. Uh, one, I don't really believe in careers, if I may say so, which is kind of weird because I'm a headhunter. As an executive and search two, person. Uh, <laughs> and, two, um, and two, there was a level of serendipity. So like, uh, you know, Steve Jobs said it, that you can connect the dots uh, looking backwards, not looking forward. So I, it, to me, it just it kind of happened. So I, I always was lucky enough to follow what I wanted to do at that moment of time without necessarily thinking long term. So I was, you know, I, I did management consulting. I loved it. Um, and, and it was an element also of leadership development and big element of soft skills in it. And then I ended up, uh, you know, doing a number of things. One on the technology side, actually, I worked for Oracle for a while. And then I ended up working for Monster, Monster which, which uh, as you may know, in in US used to be very prominent in terms of helping as a portal and as a solution for helping people find jobs. So for me, it, it kind of linked all of this together because in my mind, it crystallized that people make or break companies and people are at the heart of uh, making businesses successful. And um, then one one of the clients actually of mine at Monster set up, uh, you know, set up this executive search firm. It was called Morgan Phillips. It was new. They were coming to Singapore from France and uh, they said, hey, why don't you join us? We need somebody that knows Asia very well and you seem like a great fit. And in my mind, I knew not much about executive search, nor did I know anything about supply chain at that point. And uh, I said, of course, yeah, I want to do it because uh, <laughs> why not? And because it was a new setup and I'm always, uh, well, I like to think that I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So I, I got on the bandwagon and um, he, I kind of stumbled on supply chain, if I'm to be honest. Uh, we, we didn't start with the idea that we we're going to be specialists in supply chain, but it so happened we ended up working with some really large names, both in manufacturing as well as in transportation. And as one thing leads to another, the more you focus on an area, the more you become well-known and the more we were successful, the more we build a practice in the, in the company. And also because I love learning, you know, we started doing podcasts, content, um, uh, different uh, videos and so on. So that grew uh, a lot in terms of uh, having quite a bit of a community joining us. And then about two years ago, I decided to, uh, you know, to, together with a couple of partners to set up my own company, Elcott Global. And, um, and that, uh, you know, I guess the story continues. And today here we are also having a summit, a virtual summit that we organized that went really well for supply chain around the world. And uh, we're 
going to launch a supply chain community very soon. So a lot of other things that are basically on our mission, which is now uh, connecting the supply chain ecosystem. And what's so fascinating about that is, as a generalist, someone who kind of follows where they're led to some extent and takes opportunities as they come to them, you still fell into supply chain of all things, though. As you look back 12 years now from when that kind of happened, was there anything that you can see? Can you connect the dots looking backwards as to what kind of led you into supply chain? Is there anything about that time frame around 2008, 2009 that now looking back on it, we're like, oh, supply chain was starting to get big or there was a need for transformation or anything that kind of leads into what, you know, it's going to be a follow-on question to this, which is the transformation we're in the midst of. But any early warning indications, you might not have known it at the time because you were just getting into it, but looking back and reflecting on it, do you notice anything now, any patterns back 12 years ago when you kind of got pulled into it? Look, uh, that, that's, a, that's a good frame and a very good question to ask and it gets me thinking. Um, I guess the the commonality was that uh, all the, I mean, uh, I, I had been exposed to the industry from a management consulting perspective. We did work with pretty large uh, manufacturers and, and, and supply chain organizations. Um, and I guess if I am to, to read some sort of common thread, to me, the supply chain um, literally uh, connects and, and runs the world. I mean, if I am to put it simplistically. And... Um, in, in many ways, uh, in many ways, I think what all that I have done across the years it, and that generalistic um, sort of uh, approach to un, until, I don't know, until about six to seven years ago when I decided to be very specialized in, in supply chain to a certain degree, but that helped um, because to me, supply chain connects everything interacts with everything in an organization. And it's, it's kind of like, uh, I think John Gatorna says, it is the nervous system of the organization. So in order to do it well, you need to understand all the different pieces. And I think all that I have done kind of helped me in a way to, to stay a little bit meta and to stay a little bit of the bigger picture and understand the different bits and pieces and how they connect. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's how I would somewhat link it. Um, but it, but I think that's interesting about it because as I think about it, <clears throat> not, I mean, you and I have a, a somewhat similar past because it, it just personally, I didn't get into the supply chain until about the same time frame, about seven, seven, eight years ago, uh, eight years ago, I guess now. But there was something kind of happening as I look back on that now and I kind of think about where we are today that supply chain had been so overlooked for so long and it was, there, was a, there was a gap starting to emerge between the consumer supply chain and the enterprise supply chain. And the wider that gap began to become, the more that the enterprise supply chain was getting pulled into this technology world and transformation and disruption and everything. And that all started to kind of seemingly materialize about seven, eight, nine years ago, about the time you started to get into it. And then it, you know, it picks up steam. Um, so, you know, is there, it, you know, it just seems like there's, there's an eerie, there's a coincidence, and I don't believe in coincidences, um, in the timing of when you kind of got into it, started building the practice, and not just in Asia, but globally, right? Because I, I think you guys specialize in Asia, but if you found yourself over eight, nine, 10, 12 years to now become more global, because you guys are, you've built the practice at a time where your timing couldn't have been any better. I mean, I can only imagine that today's, search for supply chain, the, the pipeline you have must be huge based on what's happening now. Is that, I mean, how do you, how do you see that as a comparison from when you first started? 
and, you know, a little bit joking, uh, another another thing that pops to my mind is that, that probably why supply chain became so prominent is because I went into it about eight years ago. So I think there's a connection there. Um, and, I love and you, it. So the, oh, the of course, of course. Right, so of think, course, of course. You know, Richard, we went in and I think that, that kind of changed the dynamics. That, that may have been so, it. You're absolutely right. <laughs> it so, it, the, the answer is so obvious, it's right in front of us. I had no Yeah, idea. so, right. you know, we, we did not consider this, but there you go. So, um now, separate, <laughs> separate to that, um, I, I do believe that, that in these years, and especially with this COVID-19, what, what we've experienced is um, uh, total, I mean, not total, but a big prominence of supply chain. I mean, organizations realize that if you don't have a solid, strong supply chain, you can't move things, you don't know where your things are, you basically can go bankrupt. So I think COVID-19 is actually a blessing in this guy's so supply chain, but it started a few years ago. It started, yep. I don't know, four, five, six years ago, depending on the industry. Yep. Um, I guess with the FMCG industry, I, I, I see them a little bit leading the way at, at the beginning, but now it's more and more of them. And we've seen, and we keep seeing more chief supply chain officers at the board table. Yep. That to me is a sign that organizations and CEOs and boards recognize the importance of supply chain, right? I mean, ultimately anything can be copied. Uh, an Apple phone, right? The, the moment it is launched in one week, the competition has a, I think, uh, I don't know how they call them, but the war labs or whatever, it basically disassembles it and uh, and can reproduce it in, in two weeks, right? Yep. Or, or so, but to, to take it to market, to, um, have the same ecosystems and the same supply chain that Apple has available in order to distribute it to the consumer, well, it's a little bit harder, isn't yep. it? So yep. I guess that's that's fundamentally what uh, has made um, executives realize that supply chain is more and more and more important. And that has happened. It's been a journey over the last five, six years, and it continues today. And with COVID-19 being, again, a blessing in disguise for that. Uh, and at the same time, look, we have we have a way to uh, to go, I, and I do believe that it kind of is both ways, in yeah. a sense that it, it links to organizations uh, getting serious about supply chain, not seeing supply chain as the back of the room. You know, you get my stuff delivered or made, and that's it. I don't, you know, I don't care so much. You know, I only come to you if I have a problem. Mm-hmm. I think there's the famous saying that the, you know, uh, the the executives walks in the the supply chain department and says oh you're the guys that uh, that always give me headaches right and, uh, and uh, so I, it's, it's, it's which is the wrong mindset so one uh, change needs to happen and is happening on the executive level board level second change needs to happen also on the way supply chain professionals and executives portray themselves and conduct themselves and um just behave by themselves in organizations, right? Because I think it's it's kind of a two-way street. So, and the the, the piece that I see most uh, missing, maybe, and and even in the virtual event that we had, I think it was the only one uh, we had about uh, 12, 13 panels, and on each panel, I made sure to ask the question, you know, what what's what's some of the skills? What's what do you think it's a must for the future supply chain executives and, and professionals? And this is the skill that I still, uh, I, and I agree with, uh, with uh, many uh, smart people that joined our conference. They said that it is basically presentation skills, communication skills, storytelling skills. Yep. So that's a big area where um, the professionals and the supply chain executives need to be working on and, and elevating their game because uh, uh, that also gets them to be taken seriously 
if you know how to communicate, if you know how to put your message across, if you know how to get buy-in from the board, if you know how to explain to them that you're a critical business enabler, if you know, uh, obviously, how to build relationships within and with, uh, with the external, you know, with all the different parties, and we've seen so many great collaborations, startups to uh, MNCs and so on, that all, it, to me, boils down to the area of having amazing communicators in supply chain, and I think that's an area where we still have to, uh, you know, uh, work a bit on. Well, and, and let, 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 let's double-click on that, because I think that's, I mean, Echoing a lot of the things that we're seeing out there, even even I would contend that if you're seeing the new entrants coming into supply chain, right? Because people are drifting into supply chain almost like moths to flames, right? In the sense that it's such a big issue, such a big problem. It's global. We're dealing in tens of trillions of dollars of economic activity on an annual basis. It's the backbone of everything. And there's almost been a natural pull into supply chain, um, at least I've noticed, uh, just with even within Silicon Valley, people, you know, technologists are getting yanked into supply chain or even finding themselves there. So question for you is, you know, how has that materialized? So you, when you came in about 12 years ago, you kind of had the existing supply chain leadership. So question one is, was it was it on vogue back then to even have the title of chief supply chain officer? And, and has that changed over the last 12 years? Question two, underneath that, or following that then would be, okay, how then have the people, and you kind of touched on this, right, begun to sort of like change as you look across the spectrum of people that you're trying to recruit to pull into supply chain? Because if you go tap into the 20 year supply chain that are you going to get that different disruption that's going on? Or are you pulling people from sales and marketing and, you know, wherever uh, to come in and be leaders in supply chain and kind of drive that? Like, like how is that kind of morphing? So, you know, kind of where was it when you started? You know, was supply chain even chief supply chain officers? That's changed. And then how have you begun to, even in your practice, begin to really drive that change from within? Because if you keep hiring the same people, you, get, you know, expect a different result. We know the answer to that. You know, what, what are you looking at? Like, where are you going to, to pull people into supply chain to drive this? Mm. Great, great question. And the first, this, the first one, yes. I mean, I, I think we are seeing more and more, uh, I guess, what we, we spoke to uh, just, just, just now, and there's more and more of this, uh, this type of um, roles, chief supply chain officers. That they are all, also, I think, I guess, what has fundamentally changed. That before, maybe they reported to a CEO or to, I don't know, they were again seen peripheral, and now they are a standing um, unit all by themselves, and they have, you know, they have that board seat that yeah. has again changed in importance and it shows that okay look this we are serious about now in the overall scheme of things where are we are we you know 30 percent 40 percent 50 percent of the organizations have a chief supply chain officer i i would say that it's probably 30 percent or so yeah. uh, it's still, still you know a true board a true board seat yeah um still a, a way to go yeah so uh, so uh, i i think fundamentally that's um there's still uh, some work to, to be done now in terms of the type of people and how have the type of people changed in terms of what companies are looking for because I, I want to make a distinction here so whilst we are executive search partners and and ultimately a, a big chunk of what we do is helping companies find their next leaders and the leaders that that they think would take them to the next level and we are advisors to them and we give our inputs however ultimately the decision of what they want um, with our best intent and our best advice is 
taken by the client. And it is also dependent on the client situation. And, and I do not want whilst, you know, technology and thinking out of the box and thinking long term and forward thinking are important. I also do not want to brush aside the fundamentals, right? I mean, right. you cannot run a supply chain if you do not understand how to run an operations, how to run logistics, how to run procurement, purchasing, planning, SNOP, manufacturing. I mean, there's all, depending also on your definition of supply chain, because sometimes manufacturing is, it, is in it, sometimes it isn't. Um, so I think the fundamentals are important, right? You, you cannot just, you know, um, perish with somebody, com you know, um, completely, um, I don't know, from a finance background and, <laughs> and think that he, he yeah, or she point. completely. So that's, that's one. Two, to the point of the client, it's very much dependent on the client. So uh, if you ask me, I would always be personally, I would always uh, tend to suggest to clients, look, you need somebody um, that thinks a little bit differently. And for, for, for you to be able to get somebody that thinks a little bit differently, you either need to get somebody from a different industry or a little bit of a different background. We've done searches um, basically, you know, uh, similar to you in, in some ways, right? Where maybe people came from technology, maybe they mm -hmm. came from e-commerce and then mm -hmm. they stepped into a fairly large supply chain. Uh, again, what work, tends to work quite well, it's a combination of uh, where people have had experiences in different facets of supply chain. Then they went on and did consulting. They saw a wide range of what works and what doesn't work in, in a broad um, industries, in, across industries, right? And then they come back to the industry and then they tend to have a much more rounded personality. That works quite well. We've done, uh, we don't only do supply, I mean, we've done a CIO role for a, for a major transportation company. And at that point, they wanted somebody that comes from a gaming industry, right? Because they thought that they are the gaming industry is very forward thinking. How do you, you know, use gamification? How do you use your systems and so on? And it worked well because the CEO supported it. So I'm all for, um, long story short, I'm all for bringing skills from, you know, from across the board. And I think it is happening. Yep. And at the same time, it is by a case by case, you know, um, because the company needs to support it. And let's, let's be, uh, let's, let's, let's talk hard truths here. So some executives have more, on one side, I think it is about courage and guts. Yep. Uh, if I am to name it, to name a spade a spade, right? So, I mean, you, you need guts to take somebody that is not, let's say, apple to apple, right? Yep. Because then if it fails, well, who, did, who made the decision, right? It's easier for you to say, look, I took, you know, I took the best uh, or whatever. I, I used the best consulting firm. I used the best and they told me this and I followed their advice. Well, it failed, but I used the best, right? So it's right. not my fault. Right. Um, whereas if you take this type of a call, well, it is your fault. So that's, that's one. And two, I guess there's also elements where, I'll give you an example, where there was a, a large client, and they needed to consolidate three operations units, one uh, globally, a revenue of 25 billion. They needed somebody that had done that before um, and, and pretty much apple to apple. And there's, you know, there's, there's situations where it's pretty much very important that you get somebody that has done that before. So, mm -hmm. um I would summarize as yeah good good no I, I just as in summary I, I would say it is a case by case it depends you know ultimately the key million dollar thing is what is the objectives what are you trying to achieve right. if you're trying to achieve an incremental 
steady or reorg uh, uh, that is fairly standard, then you need a specialist that has done that before. If you want a quantum leap or you're hoping for a quantum leap type or, or a fairly revolutionary type, then obviously you need to think out of the box. Uh, so that's what I would say. Well, <clears throat> and that's, so, so again, double clicking on that and, and you're, you're in the midst of it. So that's, I mean, that's, that's incredibly insightful. Adding to that then, like, what are the trends that you're seeing then? Let's be specific. Let's talk about, you know, what's changed over even 12 years, because it has been a massive change. And, and, and when we think back and we roll back, and like we were talking prior to starting the, the, the podcast here today, you go back 20 years, um, which is, you know, eons and sort of this in our, in our lifetimes now, that's, it's forever ago. Um, you know, supply chain was still in the back back corners, but it wasn't until about 10, 12, 13 years ago that, that things started picking up. And in the last five, six years, pre-COVID, now in the midst of COVID, it's accelerated even further. What have you seen that's changed between <clears throat> people that you were looking at before versus the people that you're looking at now? Is there, is there enough time frame? I think there is, even in 10 years time frame, where you look at the supply chain professionals that you were putting in executive uh, placements 10 years ago versus what you're looking at now. What, what basic skills or, or specific skills or additional skills besides the foundation of supply chain management are these people you know, bringing to bear? You know, technology is obviously one of them that I would think of, but any you know, other things that you see in that, in their bag of tricks, like um, what do they come with into these things that's different from before? Because before you had to go to supply chain management schools, you know, get kind of, like you said, understand procurement and logistics and, you know, days turnover and blah, 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 all the things that go into it that, of course, are the fundamentals. So what's adding to that now? What are you seeing with the demand now? I think technology might be, but there might be more too. Yeah, no, the, the, the big one is technology. Yeah. Uh, and before we, we jump into that, let me let me add some peripherals, right? But which are equally important and I think have become much more important in the last 10 years. Uh, yeah, and, and it might sound pretty standard, but I, I do believe that maybe 12 years ago, you could have gotten away with, with less international exposure. Now you cannot. So unless you're, you're very much internationally minded, unless if you're in a global position, and if you haven't, very simplistically put, having have lived on two continents, and ideally one of them being Asia, I think it's uh, it's tough, or it can get mm -hmm. tough, and mm -hmm. it's going to get tougher and tougher just because the sheer size of the markets and the sheer size, I mean the sheer differences of the markets, right? That right. that that exposure is 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 crucial. Maybe 12 years ago or 10 years ago, even it wasn't that crucial, but nowadays I would almost argue that you cannot be in a global executive position unless you've done you know, two or three continents, uh, ideally, mm -hmm. and, and a bunch of countries so that you're very much exposed. Um, so that's, that's, uh, that's the one that I wanted to add. Now, speaking specifically about technology, ultimately, if we think about our lives, right, 10 years ago, I'm sure that not many of us, I don't even remember when Facebook started, but I don't think we would spend as much time as we spend now on Facebook, uh, yeah, on social media in general, there's so much things, right? We didn't have Uber, we didn't have, so from a tech perspective, just thinking day-to-day -day individual lives, um, a lot of things have changed for us individually, right? It's, in my mind, is the same in the function of supply chain. So technology mm -hmm. has absolutely uh, become an integral part. I mean, it, not that it wasn't before, but it was different, you know, maybe it wasn't as advanced, right? So I, I would say that the bare minimum that most companies within their supply chain functions need to have, and our uh, COVID has just accelerated that, you know, is data, accurate data, data analytics, understanding 
what the heck is going on mm-hmm. within uh, within your supply chain that has accelerated over the last i don't know five to six years it's still not there it's still mm-hmm. not there right we mm-hmm. we almost take it for granted people like to talk about uh, all the buzzwords artificial intelligence machine oh, yeah. learning blockchain la 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 but in actual fact i don't know again percentages but quite a lot of companies outside of fortune 500 are not even having the right data. So a crucial element of being a successful executive in supply chain is you need to know how to operate uh, with data, you need to understand. And again, I'm going to use this password that means everything to anybody, but you you need all the type of digital (laughs) type of um, projects under your belt, right? You need to have that, whether it is a I don't know, right? If you're um, uh, um, top uh, Fortune 500 and you've digitalized your factories, you have access to all the data, you know what's happening in real time. If you're a smaller player, maybe you've done away with your paper and you've put a robotic process automation um, in place. I don't know what it is, right? It always Mm -hmm. depends also, of course, on the scale, size, and so on of the organizations. But this type of uh, work experience and transformational projects, let's call it transformational projects within technology are a must if you want to have any sort of uh, go at an executive position uh, in supply chain within a Fortune 500 company. So I think that has accelerated big time. Um, Also, that has accelerated the need for people in supply chain, executives in supply chain to be leaders because no person can stay on top of all the different, I mean, literally, I think every week, if you want to follow and you would go nuts if you did, there's new stuff coming up, literally. So it has accelerated the need, and it's not only in supply chain, by the way, I think across the board, it has accelerated the need for people in organizations to focus even more on being leaders, being human, knowing how to operate in teams, knowing how to get best out of their teams, because no person will be the expert in everything. You need to build a team that knows how to operate different types of technologies, right? We have another client, right? They have a team, a data, a data team, analytics team. They have literally X kind of Googlers and Facebook guys there. Mm-hmm. They manage to attract them. They have that type of, uh, then they have the operation skills, supply chain skills where they have diehard uh, experts in terms of, you know, the good old way of doing things, but they are very open-minded to work closely with the, with the data team. Then they have another team that works on block solutions and so on right so you need basically as a leader to blend all these different things where technology is an enabler but it's not a buzzword right i mean it's not a a lot of people miss the point right they're like oh yeah blockchain is the hype let's do something about blockchain no what is the purpose right Right. what are you trying to achieve and then get get the people uh motivated and understanding the journey and the vision that back to the what we discussed, right? Communication skills. You need to communicate. This is the vision. We're going to use technology to um, enable our vision and we need to be open-minded and we need everybody's help and we need everybody's buying and then, uh, you know, get it done. So, well, let me, let me, let me, okay. So now I'm going to, I'm going to force you to, to, to take that to, 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 to task here a little bit. So I'm going to look forward now thinking that and looking forward five years, what does the supply chain organization look like differently five or seven years from now? Like, how, like as you see this kind of transformation happening, we're in the midst of it, we're sort of, whatever you want to say, 10 years into this continuum. How do supply chain leaders begin to affect more than just their organization, but industries and whatnot? Like, because you know, historically, you've always looked at leaders of companies, you know, they come from sales, they come from operations, or they come from engineering or something like that, or finance for that matter. But I think, and, and, and you're the expert, 
but I think you're starting to see supply chain leaders starting to take over companies to some extent. Like that's really small, but I always like to use Tim Cook as an example. Like most people don't think of him this way, but he's kind of a supply chain guy. He's not Steve Jobs, but you know, and you can, you can rate him good or bad, <laughs> you know, however you want to do it, but he's definitely different than, than Steve Jobs. And, but they just crossed $2 trillion in value, right? So he's doing something right. Um, but he's not, a, he's not the visionary innovator that Steve Jobs was, nor does he even pretend that he is. But he's a very effective leader, and he's done amazing things there. So how do you see, looking out forward five to ten years, how supply chain, new supply chain leaders are going to affect not just their organizations, but companies and industries? Um, it's a bit of prognostication sorry, there. So firstly, I... I, I, I how I wish I knew. So, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, you know, it's, it's like I know how I how I wish I knew the total numbers, right? Yep. It's, I I actually, you know, we we you know, I'll, I'll put my hand in the wind and I'll take a, a guess. Yeah. yeah. So just because uh, sometimes when 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 people say that uh, I'm the expert, I'm I'm I feel a little bit uncomfortable because <laughs> we you know we 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 can make estimated guesses. So my estimated guess on this one and looking uh, looking at Tim Cook. So I because I actually put an article on my LinkedIn saying that Apple is becoming the next IPM. And let, let me, let me. Oh, <laughs> you and I, actually, you and I agree on that one a lot, but, but we can come back to that one. That's, uh, that's almost a separate topic, but yeah, go ahead, keep going. Yeah, yep. I'll link it to supply chain. So yeah. I, I don't have, I, I don't have anything against Apple, nor do I have anything against IPM. Tim Cook has been amazing in terms of, you know, he's an optimizer. He, he knew how to take what uh, Steve Jobs did very well. And, and, and basically you can argue that he, probably did better in terms of value creation for the company and um, um, and optimizing all the different products and making sure that they only launch really, really top-notch product. With the, I guess, the critic that you can have to, the, to, to him that maybe innovation wasn't there. So I think this combination of having a solid entrepreneur that Steve Jobs was, and then having a Tim Cook that knows how it's run, know how it's operated, comes from a supply chain background, mm -hmm. um, can work extremely well in case in point with Apple where, you know, their value has, has gone skyrocketed. Now, how can supply chain professionals, um, maybe maybe the question is, is you know, step more into the C-level jobs and, and also mm -hmm. uh, take the place of sales, right? I think um, one, the all the prerequisites are there, right, in terms of, Supply chain is the, if we operate on the presumption that the supply chain is the nervous system of the body, with the body being the organization, the business, the, you know, the company, which I do believe it is because it basically sets everything in motion, right? If, if there's a breakdown in your supply chain, then basically your body doesn't move anymore. You know, you can sell all you want, but if you're not producing it, you're going to be screwed. So, um, so if we operate on that presumption or assumption, then basically supply chain leaders have access to the data on a lot of things and, and on also operating on the assumption that you have correct data, which mm -hmm. is not yet there for a lot of organizations. But if you do, um, if you think strategically, you can see, okay, this is where my, you know, this is what's, what's being sold. This is what's not being sold. This is how I can impact my go-to-market strategies. This is, you know, where I can be smarter about it. This is where I can collaborate. This is where I, basically, if you think about it strategically, it, it, it can add so much value to organization, to the organization, that it, it makes sense actually for the organizations to appoint somebody from a supply chain perspective, right? Mm -hmm. However, uh, that does mean that supply chain leaders operate as strategic long-term, you know, executives right. almost, right? Which we are not there in many cases. 
that also implies, and, and let's be again real as far as I'm concerned, and I might be wrong, but in most organizations, it's a matter of, uh, let's call it charisma, let's call it um, impression, let's call it brand, let's call it, I mean, we know how people make decisions and, and, and a lot of times why the sales guys get it or sales girls get it is because they know how to sell, right? Yep, yep, <laughs> and maybe yep. the supply chain professional is or sell themselves. Yep. And, and uh, supply chain professional is the, I literally had this conversation over a round table with C-level executives in supply chain. And one of them was saying, the topic I was making was why don't you put more of the good stuff that you're doing on LinkedIn? Why don't you show how you're helping companies? Why don't you show how you're making a dent? And his point was, yeah, but in supply chain, you know, we are doers. We get shit done, right? We, we make it happen. I'm not here to brag. I'm not here to, you know, to, uh, to tell everybody how great I am. Yeah, but that's an issue, right? If you want to have the spotlight and be the CEO, well, you know, you got to be comfortable with the fact that, well, one, that needs to be done. And two, it's not, necessarily, it's not at all a bad thing because right. that's how you basically create a brand, create, uh, you know, attract talent to your team attract visibility which visibility from the board for example gives you more funds to do more things so i think we need to flip that that whole notion that i know for a fact has uh, kind of is rooted in the minds of a lot of supply chain professionals maybe also because they come from an engineering very practical mm -hmm. you know manufacturing perspective but they need to get almost in a sales mode right so yep. if you want to be ceo you need to get into that sales mode as well it's almost it's so almost this, like this, you need uh, tony robbins to go in there and just hype up everybody in supply chain and get them to realize that they got to start selling themselves. And, 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 and I'm sorry to jump in, but you, you know, you caught, when you said that, I'm amazed that, you know, to a, to a C level, right? Almost across the industry, I've heard that every single time, you know, supply chain people always say, they look in the mirror and they say, we're doers, we get stuff done. We don't need the limelight, right? And they, they misinterpret the limelight as being, you know, bragging, use the word bragging, right? Um, or they're being, you know, uh, uh, ostentatious or whatever, right? They don't, want, they don't want to be like the salespeople. And it's like, well, there's a middle ground, right? Because if, no, if you don't tell anybody what's going on, no one's going to know what you're doing, right? I mean, I, I always reflect on the fact that when, 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 when I was at uh, uh, eBay and I was you know, basically leading their supply chain there, it, that, that whole supply chain that, for the, all the infrastructure was damn near about, almost 20% of the overall spend of all of eBay, yet no one paid any attention to it, you know, other, other than us. It's like that, you know, you got to start talking about that with other people, with other colleagues. And I'm just sort of fascinated that you pick up on that as well too, because I'm fascinated by that, like how that became part of the culture, like that became the norm, right? It, 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 and it's global. Every supply chain person that I've spoken to uh, that's been in for a while kind of comes with that sort of, uh, I don't want to talk about myself kind of thing. And it's like, well, okay, but then how does anybody know what's going on? I, I, mean, I, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm amazed because you pick up on exactly the same thing I pick up on, on with people when I talk to them. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I don't, uh, I don't know the answer on the yeah. why, why I did the culture. I mean, I guess it's in some ways it's, it comes with the, I guess it comes with the, package of the job to a certain extent. <laughs> I mean, right. I guess, you know, CFOs are meant to be more structured engineers and, and this type of roles are meant to be, uh, that's, that's by design of the role, right? Whereas yeah. sales, marketing, it's meant to be a bit more shiny because that's the design of the role. Maybe HR, it's in, in general, it's, it's, it's a bit more, I don't want to say fluffy necessarily because actually it isn't, right? But it's right. human touchy. It should be, yeah, but unfortunately, right. I don't get me started on that topic. It isn't. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I, I don't know, but what, what, what I do know for a fact is that uh, if, and not everybody is meant, and not every supply chain uh, executive should become a CEO and look, I mean, there's no such thing as, you know, everybody must, right? So, that, you know, there's always going to be some and, and, and there's always going to be other people that, that are just satisfied to be, uh, it's nothing wrong to be a chief supply chain officer, it's nothing wrong to be a head of planning, it's nothing wrong to be a production engineer, right? So, right. Uh, but if you do want to become an executive, right? If you do want to become a CEO, I would argue that without having that capacity for, I mean, one strategy and understanding business and, you know, those decisions, I mean, that's, that's the, like that comes with the chief supply chain officer right. head as well, but being comfortable to be in, in the, in the spotlight and, and it's simple things, right? I mean, storytelling, I mean, again, back to communication skills, right? I mean, storytelling, maybe it's, is the wrong words because people think all oh, stories, so you're basically bullshitting. It's, it's not that. It's the difference between saying, okay, uh, okay, Mr. CEO, I have increased the utilization of our trucks to 99%, to saying, which is one way to say it, but it's boring as hell, to, uh, to saying, look, I have helped the business reach more customers and this has increased our revenue by this and increased our profitability by this, right? Exactly. It's simple things that, that it's, it's in the way how you communicate that will catch or bore to death the executive. And mm -hmm. then based on that, obviously, that executive will think, okay, this person can take my place at some point or not. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's as simple as that to my mind. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And that, that sort of brings me back or brings, brings sort of full circle to the conference, um, you know, that you just held. Uh, you know, it, it was... Awkward time. I caught a little bit of it on the sort of tape delays, or what do you want to call it? The, you know, the video downloads or, or what have you. But it seemed, I think it was two or three days. I think it was three days. It was all virtual. It was all supply chain leadership. I mean, just tell us a little bit of like what came out of that. What were the big ahas besides just being virtual or anything else that was going on with it? Um, one, I think, big, big aha, and we didn't know what what will come out of it was, uh, you know, we were afraid, like, is this going to work virtual? Is, is, is it actually going to catch up? But we got so many people asking for it that we, we had a pretty significant hunch, you know, data-driven, let's call it, <laughs> hunch that it's going to work. So now we know for a fact virtual does work. Now, would it have worked if it hadn't been for COVID-19? No. Right. But I am confident because of COVID-19, because, you know, just like with e-commerce, right? Uh, it grew in three months as much as it grew in five years because, hey, yep. all of a sudden, if you're stuck at home, you're going to buy online. Yep. To me, virtual conferences are here to stay because it saves, I mean, if you think about it from a practical perspective, it's so, so useful, right? It yep. saves you the hassle of jumping on a plane of, I don't know, going somewhere to a time where you may or may not be available, la, la, la. I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to replace face-to-face, -face, right? Totally. And I don't think that's the, that's the purpose, but I think it's going to be helpful uh, for sure. And it's going to stay. And we have also virtual reality types, uh, type of experiences right now coming on. So I think, that to me, and we're going to continue with this summit virtually, I think it was a big aha. Yes, this thing works. People responded really well to it and they got a lot of value. Second point that worked really well, even in virtual setup, we had a networking, right? Networking was open actually for two weeks. Loads and loads of connections were made that way. And that was, we were thrilled to see that happening. And, and that was a big, uh, you know, realization for us that, that networking virtually works. And the third big realization, and this I want to share, maybe somebody's thinking of organizing conferences uh, online and, and, and so on. P 
people loved one they obviously loved the engagement and being live and so on and 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 being able to listen to the uh, and interact and ask questions that was one but two they loved the ability and the flexibility to listen to it at their own pace so we made the content available for another two weeks after it happened hmm. and they loved that because you know when you're in it when you're a very busy executive you may not may or may not be available between 1 to 2 p.m. to listen to <laughs> something happening right your time might be available from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. or you might want to listen to it in the car while driving to work so yep. that was a big a big consistent feedback that we got that people love that uh, on-demand availability hmm. interesting and and um, you know out of that how many how many participants did you have I know it was, it was a few few hundreds right no, 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 thousands. So oh, yeah, thousands, no, it yeah. was it was beyond it was beyond our wildest imagination. Yeah. So I think you know we had we had about five thousand five hundred uh, participants oh across the world. Wow. So there, there was there was uh, and look, remember this is the first time we're doing it. We are not an event organizer. We are not a summit right. organizer. Our mission is to connect the supply chain ecosystem. People told us they need that this, and we basically acted on a need. Um, so uh, and we. Our simple principle was ask ask our audience and our community what do they want, how do they want us to do it, and then we delivered it. So that's, mm. so this is the first time we're doing it, not the last time for sure. Yep. Yeah, five thousand five five hundred about there people across the world, and and um, yeah, and then lots of I mean, okay, not every I mean, there's always a lot of things we could have done better, but but loads and loads of people that were very satisfied, many many connections made, and uh, happy sponsors. So you know, we're happy. Oh, that's fabulous. No, that's, that's a great story. And it's good for everyone to hear that as well, too. Now, I'm also conscious of time because I don't want to go too far over. So I'm going to limit myself to at least just one last question here. Um, and then anything that you want to kind of get out and then parting thoughts. But specifically, as we're talking about supply chain, we're talking about the supply chain ecosystem. And you're in the executive recruiting, you're starting, you know, big companies, small companies, you know, medium companies, whatever, international companies. Have you begun to see anything in the investment world when it comes to supply chain? And it's sort of a different question because you know, one of the things that we're seeing also that drives a lot of this change, drives a lot of these, you know, kind of the movements is when the venture capital and private equity groups start pouring into supply chain. Have you begun to see anything in what you do, you know, that, that kind of gives some inclination of the enthusiasm that's coming out of the investment circles into supply chain? No, 100%. And just, just uh, not, not to... To go too much into details, but to keep it short, but definitely there's this. I don't have now top of my mind the data, but it, it shows a significant increase. I remember for logistics alone, the increase yep. was, I don't know, double, three, triple, five times. Um, why? Because there's so much room uh, for improvement. Like, yep. you know, simple example shipping. In shipping, containers moving around the world, you still have, it's called a, a bill of lading. Anyways, it's a piece of paper that circulates when you're going into a port, going out of the port. It's still on paper. In yes. today's world, still on paper, Richard. So, um, as you know, so, I mean, these are, this is just one, you know, people still using faxes and, and <laughs> you, you would fall off your chair. So there's, what does that mean? The, the room for improvement, the room for disruption, the room for making super successful businesses and, 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 and disruptors is huge. I mean, mm -hmm. Amazon at the end of the day is a pretty big supply chain disruptor on top of anything. Yep. I mean, if anything, I think they're a supply chain disruptor. Yep. So no, the VCs and private equities are seeing the opportunity, whether they are looking at consolidating businesses, buying businesses. We've seen some major investments in the warehousing, real estate, uh, because they see the potential of e-commerce and then they're 
consolidating locations because they know that the microfilament options and so on will be will be the next uh, the next thing needed. Whether it is investing in technology to optimize uh, uh, supply chains, logistics, data analytics, whether it is another huge opportunities within trade finance, and that's somewhat related, I guess, to fintech, but it's very much related to enabling trade and 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 enabling transactions around there. Uh, the the level, yeah, I, I see a definite increase. We've worked, uh, we work with private equity f- funds that that look at different uh, areas of investment. I think there's a number of corporations that have done really well to set up their own innovation labs or partner and there's there's incubators like the plug and play is a fairly large mm-hmm. one we've had some collaboration they did some great stuff in terms of um, um putting together corporates and what problems they have with startups and then uh, making magic happen so for me uh, it's clear lots of interest and you know it's much much uh, more probable that that you will make uh, I mean, what do they care about right the dent and money uh, in, in in supply chain, then that that you're doing that by trying to invent the next Facebook because you but, know, Facebook is already there. Exactly, and I, I, the other thing, and, and just to, just to kind of kind of wind things down a little bit, but but even thinking about what we've just chatted through and and rattling through all the different people, different opportunities. I mean, you referenced Dr. John Gatorna. I mean, you know, we had him on a podcast, and I know he's in a small circle. You know, Saeed uh, Amidi, who founded Plug and Play, uh, you know, know him very well actually, in, in in the supply chain group that they're doing there. It's a small universe of people that are doing this. Um, and we all keep kind of talking to each other. And th- I mean, I think these conversations, not only, I mean, I'm, you got me thinking about a bunch of different things that, that are going on in the world as well, too. Um, but it, it's just amazing that we can all get together, right, and have these. And we are finding each other. That's the other thing that's different now. I mean, you're already seeing the transformation in the DNA of the people because, 10 years ago, supply chain people wouldn't be networking the way we are right now, driving conferences, driving observation, driving things like you're doing in creating a conference like this that 5,000 people show up to. That is unheard of uh, 10 years ago, right? So, I mean, yes. you're in the midst of it. You're driving it, whether you admit it or you know, want to think of yourself that way or not. You are one of the new leaders. Uh, that's pretty cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's really cool. I no, mean, my, I, I mean my, yeah. Small group of people too. Like you're always on the short list, and all the people that we talk to, it's the same. It's the same group. Um, and, and you know, at some point, it'd be fun just to get everyone who's in that think tank and you know put together something on a global basis. Yeah, that 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 is indeed a. Let's let's uh, let's let's think how we can do that because it is, uh, and also there's the potential of the of the industry, right? Because uh, you know it, it it's a fairly it's becoming more and more sexy, but it yes. has only become more and more sexy about five, six years ago, and now it's getting, getting, getting more. So, I, I think that's why the potential is much, much more here than you know if you if you do something else. Agreed, agreed. Well, listen, I, I just want to thank you so much. I know you got uh, you know a couple shots of espresso to get to uh, just to get the day going. So, uh, really appreciate you jumping on here. To, I, I, honestly, I got to stop because otherwise we'd keep going for a few more hours. <laughs> I could talk to you for a long time, um, but you know, uh, really, thank you so much for jumping in today. It was really a pleasure. My my pleasure, Richard. Uh, some some awesome uh, conversation pointers and questions that you got me thinking uh, there. So, uh, really, really appreciate your invitation. Absolutely. My pleasure.